Hey friends, welcome to Horizon. My name is Ryan. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, I'm the family ministry director here. And uh, from time to time I get the chance to teach. And today I'm excited because we are starting a new series and it is, as you can see, called Shape. And uh, as you can imagine, we are looking at a new shape. See what we did there? Um, every week. And we're hoping to find some new patterns for family success. That as we look at shapes, we'll be able to learn more about God, ourselves, and others. And a simple shape can convey quite a bit, if you think about it. We'll look at a couple of shapes together. And I, and I promise you, you'll feel emotions, you'll have memories just by these shapes. So the first one's a Christmas tree. And I would imagine that right away you start thinking about childhood. Um, I remember the uh, BMX bike I got when I turned 10. I can smell the cinnamon rolls in our oven, which is one of our traditions. Uh, let's try another. A baby rattle. And there you go. If you have children, then this takes you back, doesn't it? To uh, much simpler times, perhaps. Uh, to the lack of sleep. To that sweet baby smell when you, you smell their um, beautiful little heads. And then the last image is a sandcastle. That for me, that makes me think of Hilton Head, where our family goes every year. And I can taste the seawater and, and smell the uh, sunscreen. Because shapes have a a lot of power in them. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at certain shapes like you see behind us. Um, but, and today we're going to look at the shape of the cross. And all of these shapes will give us a little bit of wisdom from God in the Bible on our relationships. And so this will be a series for everybody, from uh, babies to boomers and everybody in between. There's going to be uh, application points and implications for each of us. And it comes at the perfect time in our lives, because I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. Okay, not many people know this. It's kind of been on the down low, um, but there is a global pandemic. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you, were you aware, right? Like, of course, we all are. Like, if you didn't know that, welcome back from your five months on the moon, um, because 2020 has been just bananas, right? Like, you think of 2020, and there's the wildfires in Australia. There's the uh, swarms of locusts ravaging Africa. Uh, 55 volcanoes have erupted in 2020. There's been tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, and don't even get me started on the murder hornets because those things, they just look terrifying to me. Uh, but on top of that, on top of that hot mess of 2020, now we add in the very real and the very serious uh, racial and social and economic issues that our country's facing. Um, and, and it is literally like we are living in a pressure cooker. And I don't know if any of you grew up and your mother or grandmother maybe cooked with these. Um, my mom cooked with these when I was growing up. And, and what they do is they trap in the moisture. So you put in a little water, you put in your, um, your meat and your uh, vegetables, and then the steam, since it doesn't get released, it superheats the environment. And things will actually cook about three times quicker. Um, they're pretty interesting. And we've all been living in this in 2020. And what's not great is that they also cook us. <laughs> that in that environment of pressure so far this year, um, it certainly, certainly has impacted our relationships. Yeah, a little survey here, okay? So if you're watching or, or here in the church, um, kids or students, if you're there, like think back about the last five months. Uh, raise your hand at home or um, just agree. If, has there been moments where your parents have just been like, 
totally grumpy, like the grumpiest ever that you have ever seen them. Like somebody took their shredded wheat, they are angry. Um, have there been no mo- those moments? And uh, parents, have there been moments over the last few months where you looked at your little darling baby, whether they're 8 or 18, and, and you didn't even recognize them. It was like they had been possessed by a wolverine or something because they were so grumpy. Uh, I have certainly seen that with some of our kids. Well, this is why, the, the pressure cooker, that when we're in this, eventually the pressure has to be released. And a funny story, growing up, my mom was making pot roast one day um, with potatoes and carrots, one of my favorite meals, and she happened to be a garage sailor, okay? So she had bought a new-to-us used crock pot, and uh, that thing was going, and it whistles, if you've ever heard them, and the thing moves. And thankfully, nobody was around it, but the gasket blew, okay? And food went everywhere. Hot food went on the ceiling and the wall. Um, The lid was sort of misshapen afterwards. And to me, that's a great image of 2020 so far, that if we're not careful, we can explode, and sometimes onto others relationally in ways that we might later regret. So my, my question for us is, could there be a better way? Could there be a better way to live through this pressure cooker without exploding onto others when the pressure gets too high. And I think there is. And I think the shape of the cross is going to help us in that. Because here's the good news. that The God that we know, the Jesus we read about in the Bible, that some of us follow, um, he is not unfamiliar with the chaos of a year like 2020. That actually when he walked this earth, uh, he endured contagious diseases. He endured racial and national divisions on epic levels. Um, He endured being just hunted for three years by his Roman and Jewish enemies that were eventually capture and kill him. Um, He endured it all, and and he knows how we feel. And in fact, one afternoon after Jesus and his disciples had been healing people, they had been traveling, um, they'd been feeding people, Jesus had walked on water, I mean, all kinds of stuff was going down. Um, They are exhausted, okay? And they finally get away. They finally sneak away from the crowds and they have this moment together, just Jesus and his 12. And you can almost sense that he's going to instill some wisdom on them, maybe some encouragement. Um, And let's read what he shares with them. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And if I'm one of the disciples right there, I'm a little confused because I was expecting kind of a attaboy, pat on the back kind of talk. And instead, Jesus gives them more of a challenge. And initially you can look at that and think like, okay, I'm good following you, Jesus. Like it's it has cost me some things. I have denied myself. I'm not a fisherman anymore. But this cross thing, like I know maybe you're new to town, but Jesus, they kill people on crosses. Like, were you aware of that? Um, are you sure you don't mean like a croissant? Because those are tasty and delicious, and I, I don't mind picking one of those up every day. Um, but the cross, maybe it's a little too far. But for Jesus, it wasn't. Like, his life was primarily, solely focused on the cross. Every decision, every day, every conversation was leading towards that eventual outcome. And here's why. That 
that soon in Jesus' life, after these words are spoken, um, there's going to be an epic exchange that happens on that cross. Okay, it is going to be the, the most epic exchange ever. There's going to be the exchange of our brokenness and, and our bondage for the wholeness and freedom that Christ can offer us in our lives. This wonderful exchange. And, and in that, we're going to see that Jesus is both humbled but he's also lifted up. And it says this this way in Philippians. It says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That Jesus was fully God and fully man and he chooses to humble himself to the point of allowing people to kill him. It is beyond me. But the payoff is that he also is highly exalted. That there's a humility that leads to sacrifice. And there's an exaltation that leads to salvation. And because of that, the shape of the cross that we're looking at today has the ability to do two things in our lives. It has the ability to humble us. And it also has the ability to exalt us. And Jesus knew that and he offered it to his disciples because he knew that they would need both of those traits and both of those characteristics. They would need humility in the relationships and they would certainly need the confidence that would come from being lifted up by the cross. And today we're going to look at um, three ways that the, the cross can help us with our relationships. And the first one is this, that the cross helps us find clarity with crossed wires. That right now when we're living in that pressure cooker of life, um, confusion is everywhere, right? It's almost like life has become a bad Zoom call, you know, and, and you're not quite sure what Bob said. You couldn't quite hear it. Um, you know, Sally keeps forgetting to mute herself. And, you know, Bob, you're not even sure he's wearing pants, right? Like it's just crazy. It's chaos right now when it comes to communication. And communication is tough in general. There's so much nuance to it um, that when we've taken it all online, it has just become a hot mess. And for a while, we, you wear a mask for sure, and then maybe not, and then the CDC said this, and the WHO said that, and, and now we're wearing them again, you know, because the, the governor mandated it. And no matter where you are on that, and we all have opinions, um, we all want to share them, right? And, and you know the best place to share strong controversial opinions, right? It is uh, on Facebook, right? So you can argue with strangers for hours. It'll be amazing. Um, well, no, not so. The temptation in this pressure cooker is to listen less, that, that I'm not going to really investigate your point of view, um, and, and to talk more. Well, the cross can help us with that because the cross and its ability to humble us allows us to know that, hey, we don't have it all figured out. That, that we needed Jesus greatly, and we aren't the end-all of knowledge. When we lived in uh, Myrtle Beach, we had a wonderful family doctor named Dr. Linda Berry. And he was a great guy. He was younger, probably his early 30s, um, new in his practice. And he was the best doctor we've ever had so far. And the thing that made him that was he had an amazing ability to listen, that we would walk into the room he would sit down he would ask about my job my family the kids he would ask questions about my symptoms 
um, he would just sit and listen. And it made him a great doctor. And one day I asked him about it because I was just curious. I'm like, in a field where time is money and there are more patients in the day to see than there are minutes, like how can you give so much time to every person? And he pointed to his faith. He said one of his favorite verses was James 1.19. And that says that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. So he said he wanted to be a good listener. And I think it made him a better doctor. And what I would ask you, and we'll start with uh, parents in the room and adults, like when's the last time that you listen to your child or, or your friend if your kids are out of the nest or you don't have any um, on a topic that you disagreed with and you just sat there and you listened and you tried to hear them out? It's interesting that the words listen and silent are comprised of the same letters. And it's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to just sit there and listen. Very hard. A few months ago, uh, Becky and I, we have two daughters, uh, Lily and Sydney, and they came to us and for a long time they'd been asking about a certain social media app. And we kept telling them no because we had researched it and and knew enough that it could be a little dangerous. Um, So the conversations were very quick. We would just say, nope, not talking about it. Well, one day they got smart and, and they said, hey, can we have like 30 minutes of your time and we said, sure. And they came into the room and they're dressed up and they had a PowerPoint presentation and they had appetizers and they had done a ton of research on this app. And they had found out some of the dangers of it, but they had also found out some of the ways around that. And we really heard them out. And afterwards, we decided that it could really work and we could let them have that with a few restrictions. And for them, it was amazing that we were willing to just Listen, and I think we learned a lot through that. And one of my favorite quotes ever is this. It's by a guy named David Augsburger. It says, Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. And when I hear that, it, it, it encourages me to listen to my kids, that if I want them to not only know that I love them, but feel that I love them, then I've got to listen You know, and it works that way in friendships too, in marriages. It works that way in every relationship that we can convey love through our listening. Well, the cross also helps us find compassion in the crossfires. You know, the the last few months have been interesting. I feel like we've all grown shorter fuses, if you will, and, and things that didn't used to upset me, like shortages in toilet paper or maybe my spouse chewing. You know, now they just upset me for whatever reason. It's like my fuse is just shorter. Um, and, and the verbal bullets can just begin flying out of nowhere. And the cross can help us with that, though. That when the crossfires start, we can find compassion for other people because of that. Because we're able to be humbled, but we're also able to have confidence. Becky and I have friends, Josh and Stacy, and um, they were married sort of early in life, in their early 20s, and they are both amazingly strong-willed people. So they were like this super couple that came together, um, and they're a lot of fun, but early on in their marriage, they argued a ton, because you were just bringing these two worldviews together that just saw the world a little differently. Um, and at first it was rough, but after a few months, uh, things started to seem to smooth out, and I sat down with Josh, um, and I asked him about it, and he said, you know, we stumbled upon something pretty cool. 
um, that originally when we would have an issue, like, hey, what are we going to do this weekend? Or um, who's going to do the laundry? Or, you know, who's going to do the dishes? Um, it would be, you know, Josh versus Stacy. And there was always a winner and there was always a loser. And neither of us wanted to be the loser, quite honestly. Um, but he shared that they stumbled upon this concept that if, if they were both willing to be Josh and Stacy and then put on the other side the issue, um, that they always found that they either won together or lost together. And what I mean by that is if they could figure out, you know, what they should do that weekend that they were disagreeing about and they could do it together, then they both won. But if they couldn't and it continued to cause a divide between them, um, then they both lost. So in essence, they, they were always winning or losing together. Um, and that really helped them as a couple. And, and Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Right? Like towards the end of his life here on earth, he has been hunted and chased by the, the Roman and Jewish officials for three years. And, and he's finally in the garden. And he knows the next day is the cross. And, and the Jewish guards come and they, they're going to capture him. And one of Jesus' best friends is a guy named Peter. And Peter hasn't quite figured out what Jesus was there for yet. So Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of one of the uh, Jewish guards. And, and Jesus bends down, he picks it up, and he, he puts it back onto the, the guard's head, which would have been pretty cool to see, let's be honest. And Jesus says this to Peter. He says, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus was this amazing example of power off the charts. Like he could have brought 12 legions of angels, but he, he kept it under control. He was humbled. And, and when I think of relationships, I think that is a, a higher form of love, that we each have this power that we can use if we want to dominate or conquer or win the battle. Uh, but we also have this humility that we can exercise when we need to. The last thing that the cross can do for us is the cross can help us find forgiveness when lines have been crossed. That unfortunately when we have crossed uh, lines, when we have uh, crossed fires, they lead to crossed lines. Right? That when we are in the midst of the pressure cooker, we are tempted to do dumb stuff. Like, has anybody else, is it just me, has anybody else said or done something incredibly stupid in the last five months? Because uh, I have that in the pressure we're tempted to act out sometimes. And when I think about that, I think basically it's this concept that when we are hurt, we tend to hurt other people. And, and right now when you look at our world, there are just a lot, a lot of hurting people. So you know there's a lot of lines being crossed. And, and gang, it's tough no matter which side of the fence you're on, right? Like maybe you're on the side of the fence where you have crossed some lines on your own um, and, and you've got to say the, the two hardest words to say in the English language. And those are, I'm sorry, <laughs> right? Like those are hard words to say. Or, or maybe you've been wronged and you're on the other side of the fence and you've got to say maybe the three hardest words to say. I forgive you. 
Well, well, the cross gives us the power to do both of those things. It gives us the humility to see when we're wrong, when we've crossed lines, uh, to allow us to say those two hard words of, I'm sorry. But it also gives us the confidence when we're exalted and lifted up to be able to forgive other people. You know, it's interesting. Research on forgiveness uh, only goes back to 1989. So we've only been studying uh, this concept of I'm sorry and I forgive you for about 30 years. Um, And in the research, I love this, they did research even on animals. Okay, so they researched monkeys and dogs and goats and, you know, I don't know, a couple dozen animals. And a lot of animals have the, the ability to at least display forgiveness. If one monkey knocks the other one off the branch and they sort of work it out that there's a physical affection that happens, there's a touching Um, You know, I've seen this in our golden retriever bear that there's um, this physical touching after, you know, he's eaten something he wasn't supposed to. You you know, the only animal, the only breed of animal that they found that does not display any forgiveness tendencies (laughs) is this one. It is the uh, domestic house cat, right? Like that is one grumpy looking cat right there. They've never yet, maybe they will someday, but they've never yet found a cat that is willing to forgive. And though that's funny, it's also, to me, a great analogy that, like, we can choose to be the cat, but there are great implications for our lives. That the studies that go back to 1989 show that holding a grudge and and holding back forgiveness has implications for our blood pressure, for our cholesterol, for our heart, for our mental health, of course. Um, anxiety, depression, all of those things are amplified. And we have a great example in Jesus on the cross of forgiveness. That the cross can help us find forgiveness when lines have been crossed. That as Jesus, he's, he's on that cross, that shape we're looking at today, and he's, he's looking out into the eyes of the people in front of him. And he's seeing Roman soldiers who have spit upon him and mocked him and stabbed him with things. He's seeing Jewish leaders who have sold him up the river out of jealousy. He's seeing friends and family even that have betrayed him in the last few hours. And he looks out upon them and he looks into their eyes and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you can forgive in that setting, then you can forgive anywhere. And I love the fact that on the cross, Jesus gives us the perfect example of forgiveness. And how could he hold a grudge when that was the whole reason he had come was to fulfill that great exchange on the cross? You know, I love uh, romantic movies. It's kind of funny for a guy, but anybody else in here? Um, And in a romantic movie, sometimes there's a few of them. There's this scene that is called the uh, great gesture, okay? And typically it happens when the guy has really screwed things up, (laughs) And uh, the girl's taken off or she's lost interest. And and he hatches this scheme, some way to really show her um, that he loves her. You know, and uh, in some of the movies, typically it involves a singing thing like 10 Things I Hate About You or um, The Wedding Singer where he's going to bust into some ballad, you know, in front of the public. Um, Sometimes it's this mad dash to the airport, you know, to try to find them. Uh, Sometimes it's holding a boombox over your head in their front yard. But there's this grand gesture to just show how much 
he loves her. Well, when you think of the cross and the shape of the cross, God is saying to us, he's saying, hey, that is my grand gesture of my love for you. And and it, it says it this way in Romans. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, yeah, the, the cross can help us in our relationships. It can help us grow in our humility. It can help us grow in our confidence as we're lifted by the sacrifice of Jesus. But ultimately, this is the beauty in the shape of the cross. That it is God's grandest gesture to each of us. He's saying, hey, if you want to know that I love you, man, look at the cross Look what I was willing to endure for the sake of you. So I hope you have a a great week. Hope you can think on these concepts of humility and and confidence that we find in the cross. and, And I hope that it helps impact your relationships. Thanks a lot.